You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today on Max's Island, I'm joined by Eve Lamex. Eve, welcome to the island. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Eve, all our guests have the opportunity when they visit the island to tell that story of perhaps a time in their life where something special happened to them. Maybe it's a time when you chose to do something a little different, or quite often it's something where life got in the way and change the direction of where you perhaps thought you were going. Do you have a time where you might have a story that you can share with the listeners of Max's Island of where that might have happened to you? Yes, absolutely. Certainly uh, very much when life got in the way or things not quite working out as planned (laughs) story, which relates to caring for my husband's now 98-year-old great-aunt. Wow. Wow. That sounds really interesting. Tell us that story and perhaps the listeners on Max's Island can get an understanding of the relationship you have with that great art. Yeah, well, it's actually, that's a really interesting place to start because I guess the relationship that we had with that great aunt really started almost at the point where we needed to start caring for her. So the way that it kind of came about was my husband and I uh, seven years ago moved to the UK, moved to London, expecting that we were going to work. We both work in the construction industry, that we were going to work, make money, travel, travel Europe a lot, do the things that a lot of our friends were doing or had done. And we were kind of in our late 20s at that point. I think my husband had just turned 30 and had a bit of a life adventure mapped out. You know, we we wanted to do this, and then afterwards we were going to kind of maybe travel more of the world, maybe live in other countries working in construction, and kind of just, yeah, just just everything adventure all the time. (laughs) That was kind of the plan, and it didn't quite work out like that. So shortly after we moved to London, we went to check in on Ricky's great aunt Tatiana at the request of his grandfather, who hadn't been able to get her on the phone or get letters back from her, and had been very concerned and actually phoned the police to do welfare checks at points and things like that. So and at this point in time, she's 
already into her 90s. Yes, yeah, so she would have been 91 when we met her and and living um, independently and living independently. And obviously has always lived independently and how long had she been on yes. her own? So at that point she had really fully her, her husband had died. So she was basically living in Essex, a little outside of London, and in the house that she'd lived in for you know, 30 plus years or more, actually, I believe the house she brought her daughter up in, so maybe more like 50, 60 years. And her husband had died some 20 years before and her daughter had actually died about five years before. So she had no grandchildren. She had some friends, but not really a huge quantity and no family in the UK. So when you came to the UK, you expected obviously to visit her, to connect with her, to go down and have afternoon tea with her and do all those um, nice things. Yes. The thought of having to potentially care for her certainly would have been not on the radar at all. No, it really wasn't. And um, we knew that there might be a problem because um no one had been able to kind of get her, get in contact with her via via letter and phone and so on. But we definitely didn't <laughs> we definitely didn't have in our plans to be looking after someone in her 90s. As you said, there's a 60-year age difference between us. So it's just completely unexpected at this moment in our life. And even as we started to visit her, and as things started to unfold and it became kind of clear that she wasn't really able to look after herself we still couldn't have imagined that seven years later we'd still be doing it as well (laughs) you arrive in London though to Uh pursue a career in construction as you said to follow your professional career that was still obviously the focus for for most of your time Yes, absolutely. And we've kind of had good opportunities in London to pursue that. So Ricky, my husband and I have both had the opportunity to work on some landmark projects in London, large projects, up to kind of 400 million for me and up to kind of a billion for Ricky. So we've had the opportunity to work on some really interesting projects. I worked on a building called The Vars in London. Ricky worked on Battersea Power Station, which is a very big, very kind of landmark project that's recently completed so professionally we've still had a good um a good run in London but uh the adventure part of it the adventure part of the plan has fallen by the wayside a little bit caring can take many shapes and sizes what has your been experienced in terms of caring and then also being perhaps an advocate for your great aunt yeah so our experience has been, it varies depending on what's happening with her. So I'd say in the early days, it was extremely um, intense as we had to kind of sell her home at points when she was in hospital, as we had to find a care home for her. So there's a lot of intensity around that time. And then there's periods of time where it's really just popping in to see her a few times a month and checking in that she's okay. So it kind of comes in waves. I think our experience of caring because she's apart from at the very start for the first four or five months she's always been in care we've kind of been able to just we we do the management parts and so we have a lot less to do obviously than those who are 
caring for someone in their home. But I do think that the amount of management that's required is probably underappreciated. I think a lot of the time, you know, I'll kind of be bemoaning the fact that I can't go on a trip or something can't happen. And often the response from like really well-meaning friends and family will be like, I don't understand. Why don't you just pay someone to do it? But of course, you might be able to do that for some of the more physical parts of caring, which we actually don't need to take care of happily. But in terms of the management of it, you can't really offload that, you know, if we're doing something with their finances or if we're dealing with the care home or if she suddenly goes into hospital, we really need to do those bits ourselves. So it's much more that side of things. And definitely um, the way that we've been able to do it, and actually, thank goodness, there's two of us. <laughs> so in a lot of ways, we're quite lucky. But Ricky does all of the all of the financial bits and pieces, which there is quite a lot of. So he sorted out all of her finances in the early days. He makes sure her bills are paid. He liaises with the care homes, anything to do with social security, et cetera. And I look after primarily the caring bits, which means I am the advocate um, for Tatiana. And where that's really challenging in, in her case is that she actually doesn't want to receive care. So her care plan is that she doesn't want any life extending care or anything that, well, that's it, basically, anything that would extend her life. She doesn't want to be removed and taken to hospital, all of those types of things. And that's actually quite challenging to advocate for, (laughs) for various reasons. (laughs) Can I just go back to the initial time when you were caring and you mentioned, you know, in the early days, in those early months, it Mm. was around... Uh, selling her home and, and navigating the the journey into uh, care and into other accommodation. Obviously, there would have been two parts to that. One is the emotional part and dealing with the emotional impact that may have not only on your great aunt, but also on yourselves in terms of decision making. Mm-hmm. And then there is the legal side of things. You know, the the pressure that I guess you're under to be making sure that the decisions that you're making are very transparent and they fit within the legal system so that things are done the right way. There must have been some some challenges and, and perhaps even conflicts around that. So I think that was one of the things that I worried about most in the early days because we had met Ricky's great aunt in December and I think by by March we were finding her a care home and preparing to sell her house. So the time between us even meeting her and becoming very responsible for her was so short that I was very concerned that it might, we might get something not quite right or it might appear that we're taking advantage of the situation in some way or in some way or another it kind of might reflect badly on us or there might become conflicts. And actually, and you hear about that actually happening so much with case, you know, cases of elderly people and especially when it comes to money and things like that. So in our situation, there was just three of us. So there's myself, Ricky, and a good family friend of Tatiana's called Sarah. Um, And Sarah was uh, the daughter of one of Tatiana's great friends who she'd been friends with for a very long time. So we've actually been in a position where the rest of the family live in Australia and they've been very much trusting us to do what we believe is right. And then between ourselves and Sarah, we've made decisions and we've taken them forward. And at this point, we haven't had any kind of conflicts 
you know, what I was always worried about was kind of maybe being accused of some kind of wrongdoing, you know, like kind of not getting it quite right, especially when you're dealing with money. But we haven't had had that. We've just, I think because of how small the, the team is, it's really just three of us and we make the decisions together. And then, of course, there's Tatiana, but she has dementia, so her ability to be engaged with that is quite reduced. That was going to be my other question, is that, you know, you, you had met her literally a few months before making these life-changing decisions for her and I'm interested in her capacity to understand what was happening and influence any of that decision-making. Absolutely. So the... I guess I've got to take you back to when we first met her and how things were so that it, 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 it will it will kind of make sense. But when we first met Tatiana, the first day that we went there, actually, we had quite a journey. Like we had to take the train and then we had to get a black cab and we didn't even know if she'd answer the door. And we were brand new to London. We'd been there about a month or so. And um, it was kind of quite nerve wracking. And when we had to knock on the door a few times. We kept the cab running. We said, don't go yet. And then she was actually, when she opened the door, kind of saying, who are you? And then Ricky explained to her, I'm your relative. And then she was so happy to see us and invited us in straight away and kind of put the put the kettle on and, and made us a cuppa. And we sat in the lounge room. And, you know, you have to understand as well that we didn't have a lot of experience with elderly people. So the elderly people in our lives, they're there were at that point already, you know, our grandparents were quite self-sufficient, uh, weren't in homes, you know, had input from our parents. So if there was anything that needed to be taken care of, it wasn't really things that we were particularly involved with. So we didn't fully, there were some signs that things weren't right, but we didn't really fully know how to deal with them, especially in a new country or whether we should be concerned. And part of that was because Tatiana was so, so, so clear on the fact that she didn't need care. She didn't need help. She had everything under control. And she was kind of continuously telling us this narrative, even if there were things happening in the home that were causing us some questions. (laughs) However, she must have connected with you fairly quickly to allow the process to begin. And and interesting, how did the discussion lead to that decision to say, maybe you can't live independently and you need to go into assisted assisted accommodation? Well, the situation had to get bad enough that she recognised it for herself. That was what happened in the end. So we would kind of go and visit and we would buy a few things for the house the fridge was turned off but we'd go and buy a few bits of food and we'd bring her some fish and chips which she loved fish and chips and we'd kind of slip a little bit of money into her wallet and we were thinking I don't know what's going on here but she's kind of she would say to us every time we visited um you know I go down to the shop every day I take out money I buy my food and that's what I do so she she would tell us a story And so we believed that was happening, although there was never really any food in the house. So we kind of did a few things. We tried to get Meals on Wheels, but she would have to pay with cash when they arrived. And because we knew she wouldn't remember and she never seemed to have cash on her, we knew that couldn't happen. We we asked if we could pay for it ourselves. They said no. We spoke to social welfare. They said if she doesn't want help, they can't do anything. So we were kind of trying to take these steps, but it didn't seem like there was a lot we could do apart from just kind of go and, and try and bring a bit of food here and there, which she would get really cranky about, by the way. Um, <laughs> so we, 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 wouldn't, we were not sure what was happening, but there's a little bit of backstory there that we didn't know when we were visiting which 
was that there was this friend of Tatiana's, Sarah, was coming once every couple of months, taking her to the bank, taking cash out, making sure the food was stocked up, taking her to appointments and kind of really keeping her going. And this is where the timing gets really interesting. And I know this is a really roundabout way to to answer your question, but I feel like it's got you've got to have the context. So Sarah had been doing this. And so Tatiana should have had several hundred pounds on her when we started to visit. She should have had enough money to go and buy food. And she didn't have any cash that we ever, ever found, basically. But what Sarah had explained to us is her eyesight at this point was so bad that she was going to the local store called a co-op, the local store, and buying food and handing them her wallet to take the money out to pay for it. And we don't. Yeah, so we don't know if it was between that or if someone came and knocked on her door and something happened, but somehow or another, the money that she should have had to buy food, she didn't have. And the timing was just so that during this time and between the last time that Sarah had visited to do this kind of service for her and we were visiting, we would just seem to be just keeping her alive through these bits of food that we were buying. But then we went on holiday. So We went to Australia and in between us going, we knew we were going away. We weren't sure if there was anyone else involved. So we put a note on her fridge and the note said, Tatiana's great nephew, Ricky Lamex and his number, please call us if anything happens. And we put it on the fridge and we came back from Australia and we were saying, okay, it's her birthday in a week. We'll wait, we'll go on her birthday and we'll, that's when we'll see her. And Sarah, who we had never met at this point, had the same idea. I'll go on her birthday. And then for one reason or another, she ended up going a week early. And um, we got a phone call. We'd been back from Australia a couple of days. And the phone call was from Sarah to Ricky. Um, We're at a friend's house having dinner. And she said, Tatiana's in hospital. Can you please come? This is incredible. (laughs) You know, when we're dealing with our loved ones, family members, you know, as you alluded to grandparents or um, even distant, more distant relatives where there are others and you're very close to them or you've seen, you've been in their life for many, many years and you've witnessed a gradual decline. To be in someone's life who you'd never met before and then be, you know, someone who is 91 and facing the, all the challenges of, of somebody of that age. Because some of the things you've described are, you know, I'm sure listeners on Max's Island would understand those things, you know, the eating, the yeah. lack of control of the money, um, awareness mm-hmm. of, of, you know, your perceptions of, of life and, and what's good and what's bad and whether you're healthy and, and those things. And, and we see that in a lot of elderly people. But to be seeing that with somebody that you actually don't know you've only just met even though they're family you've only just met them and the other really quirky piece of that there's another carer working (laughs) in parallel that you didn't actually know is makes it a a a really serendipitous in environment and, and situation and and probably tatiana was very lucky that your all your worlds collided at the one time a hundred percent. And to be in the situation where she doesn't have family left, her husband has died, her daughter has died. And somehow to have these kind of three people, two of whom are strangers, one who is just kind of a guardian angel who's known her all her life, but doesn't have, you know, a particular like familial 
requirement to care for her who've been able to kind of gather around her and keep her afloat <laughs> it's quite I think unusual and um, quite special In the next episode of this emotionally charged story, we'll learn of Tatiana's attitude to living and the importance of how to respect this as Eve helps her navigate the English health system. Each day was a blur, oh work and no play, and how, how it turned out this way. He told me his plan, a short-term escape, Go it alone, no one to blame if he finished or fell by the way. No one's an island, but sometimes it's good to pretend. Go for a hike, your burdens just don't lack. Walk on a sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky, completely alone, no emails or phone and nothing.